You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 14, Undercity. Gabriella, Day 7 of Frigga, Midwinterfall, 1884. In the evening, safely back on terra firma, Gani and Attar made their excuses and went their separate ways. The two ladies who remained were walking the lamp-lit streets once again, happily engaged in conversation. Harry broached the complicated subject of married names. I can't work out how do you do it. Do the wives take the husband's name, or does he take both of theirs? Ugh, don't even get me started on how silly this all can get. You're all supposed to share the name of the dominant woman... But some women are both so dominant that they can't decide and have to double-barrel it. Then you get your Smythe Chenoweths and your Gold Otter Lakes, and sometimes those families want to keep the names of their mothers, and it gets even more complicated with four or five surnames, and you have to say all of them or they get offended. It's... it's a way of keeping some things more important than they probably should be. And the man's mother's name just... disappears? He gets absorbed by the women? A very few rare male-female couples go by his name only. And it's almost always because the woman loves and cherishes the man so much that she doesn't mind the challenges of keeping that name. Come on over here, I've something fairly marvellous to show you. They crossed the street and made towards a square of light in a small, lovingly appointed park area. Taking your partner's name is a sign of respect and adoration. Same where I come from, I suppose. Was, uh, Calendula the one with the Renwick family name? Yes, look down there, said Penny briskly. They were standing at the railings around the wide square, and Harry realised she was looking at a sheet of reinforced glass, underneath which was a vast cavern with crystal-powered lights descending down level after level of ancient underground ruin. She could make out carven architecture, fallen pillars, engraved language and imagery, and in the shadows, a sense of depth that quite boggled the mind. She felt almost as high up as when she had stood on the Gallia deck earlier that day. This is what remains of the City of Men, Penny said with some theatricality. Gabriella is built upon the bones of Diantum, their subterranean capital. She indicated several plaques that Harry could not read, but which were bordered by blueprint layouts of what was beneath them now. I'm not a historian, though I do find this fascinating. They lived here long, long ago, until the Brazil Empire collapsed. Ever since then, women have been in charge. You're faltering too, though. Harry peered down into the depths. You said your people are entering a final winterfall. She looked up with concern and met Penny's gaze. Aren't you afraid? I suppose we all are. And I'm frequently very afraid. That's why I like to come here and look at the ruins. It gives me a measure of peace and comfort to know that our species screwed up so badly in the past, and yet we're still here. If a ruin can be observed, then the past is still alive. 
This was all said so carefully that it quite took Harry's breath away. Could, could I, uh, would it be wrong if we... She trailed off. Something powerful was moving in Harry's chest, drawing her towards Penny, and there was a look in the lady's eye that was inviting her. She had noticed the first morning how Penny's skin, like all Elaine, seemed to have a light, textured, diamond pattern across it when you got close, which Harry longed to brush up against and feel. Uh, no, I I obviously not. Uh, sorry. Well, it might be all right if we were simply... Oh, come here, let me hold you. Harry crossed the space between them, and Penny wrapped slender arms around her, before rubbing at the shoulders and patting them. You must be cold, she declared, weakly excusing the pair of them from this social transgression. Harry flinched uncertainly as she held Penny tightly around the waist. She was shivering, they both were, but neither felt the least bit cold. In the history of awkward hugs, it ranked somewhere around the middle, too desired on both sides to be unpleasant, too illicit and stolen to last. They broke apart. Thank you. That warmed me up. Harry gushed, half laughing. Penny nodded far too emphatically, and a strange sort of unspoken accord was reached. Harry realized she could read this woman better than she had thought. So, this civilization of men? Yes, let's talk about men. Penny blustered as they turned back to examine the shapes in the darkness below. What, what did the women do differently that made them more adapted to thrive in autumn? Again, you'd be better talking to a historian on this one. But from what I know of the past, it seems like they tended to value intelligence over physical strength. And as a result, combat and warfare changed, and a focus on scientific advancement became more important than territory and competition. In modern times, we abjectly attempt to avoid killing, like Ganny implied, even during war. Oh, I hope I get to stay here a long while. Harry crooned wistfully, staring out at the city. I hate killing. Again, I'd say you fit right in here. Maybe you'll find some partners, get married, settle into a new occupation, creating all sorts of new inventions. At home, you'll have a bunch of little... (sighs) The words froze in her throat. Better enjoy what time we have. There was a long silence as the warm breeze blew through their hair, reassuringly. What if... what if neither wife is dominant? I beg your pardon? What if two women get married, and neither of them wants to have her name absorb the other? Harry was genuinely inquisitive. (laughs) Traditionally, they flip a coin, and whoever wins, that's the name they go with. Seems like an awful lot to leave just to chaos. I'd combine my name with my wife's. Renwington. But that would be if I married Calendula. She'd never stand for that. The naming thing, that is. But maybe you should propose to her. She'd probably say yes. She's very pretty. But maybe too forceful for me. Why do you love her? I... Penny was taken aback. That's quite a question. Uh, Firstly, we've been together for five sons. 
But she gives me strength. I probably wouldn't be able to keep going without her driving me forward. Well, then I'm grateful for her. Harry was trying extremely hard to mean it. We should keep... We should be getting you back to your apartment now. It's late. You need to eat, rest up, start early on building more intuitive heels for those legs of yours. What was your name before you took Renwick? Why all this curiosity? Penny sounded irritated now and stalked off down the street. I'm sorry. I'm I'm Brian. It's It's none of my business. Said Harry, sadly and meekly, hurrying unsteadily to keep up. Clements, if it's important to you. I was a different person back then. Penny Clements was the one who decided to wear green. Yes, she was, and she dreamed of helping people every day, and she got to fulfill that dream. And I'm very happy doing what I do. I'm... She trailed off and kept walking. Did Cal get you the job? Yes. Really, the position should have been filled by a fully trained and qualified doctor. But she's exceptionally well-connected. I wouldn't have nearly the leeway I have to help low-mean households without this position. Well, I guess then, even though I don't exactly know what Cal does, she helps people every day through you. So, so that's something. It is, said Penny, curtly. It is. Harry kept waking up that night and replaying this conversation in her head as it mutated into an argument. She could smell Cal's perfume on her pillow and flung it across the bedroom in anger. Moments later, switching the lamp on, she climbed down from the bed and, ignoring her new legs, crawled across the soft carpet to retrieve the pillow. She buried her face in it and thoughts raced through her head. She was falling for Penny. This was bad. She would make Penny's life difficult and even put her marriage at risk, maybe her career as well. Harry had upset the Elaine, maybe pushed her away, maybe wrecked everything. Her blood coursed with fear as Penny's face swam into view. Harry's lips formed a tender kiss before her teeth ground together. Focus! Annie would focus on getting the job done. So would Abigail, and James, and Butler, and Harau, and even Miguel, and Mr. Raven, and Jeremy. Well, maybe not Jeremy, but Truth would get the job done. And what was the job in this case? Craft new legs and learn as much about this culture as time allowed. And definitely do not screw things up between Penny and Cal. She would be good. She would be kind, like Penny. And one day... She would leave this world behind and go back to Washington. And the nation where some people would want her to be a slave based purely on the color of her skin. And if she fought against that, they would kill her. (laughs) Harry began to sob. (laughs) Tears slid swiftly down her cheeks as the magnitude of this rolled in. The fear of having to say goodbye to this wonderful, wonderful place she had only just discovered, and these people. 
She thought back to the sacrifices her parents had made, everything they had left behind for the sake of everyone else. She would shame them to do any less. Harry put these selfish thoughts aside and breathed hard, forcing her vision into making out a future where things would be alright. A pale form emerged from the darkness. There was not a hint of green upon it, just the blue and red accents to his armour. Mr. White pounced down from the ceiling and thrust his sword through her heart. Harry cried out in shock and sorrow. She was alone, still in autumn, for now. Motherfucker. The next day, she called up and met with Attar, who, as promised, took her to an expert in styling hair. Inspired by Ganymede, she asked for dreadlocks, and spurred on by aspects of her mind she could not put words to, she had them dyed vibrant red and deep blue. Listening to episode 14 of Stone Spring Maidens Undercity. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Narration by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes, including Starforged, Sojourn, The Inner Core, Submerged, and Steampunk Station by Tabletop Audio. If you can't support us on Patreon, but would like to contribute to this show, then a review on iTunes, or of one of the books on Amazon, would absolutely help us move forward. It takes five minutes, and it means the world. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse, and the three newest, Panthersoul, Nightfall of the Wendigo, and Back in Time plus Space. You should be listening to Through the Wind Door. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Hui, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. <laughs>